that was the clarion call. These young people are saying, we feel like something is really, really important that is missing in our lives and we want to relearn it. Welcome back to The Simple Plate, tales of local food produced by local people. In this episode, we meet Cindy Hale, accidental farmer, educator, and now producer, educator, and infrastructure coordinator for the Finland food chain. It's hard not to think, in the midst of our pandemic-challenged lives, that this whole how-am-I-going-to-get-food thing would be a lot simpler if we could just go back in time about 80 years, when most cities were ringed with small farms that supplied themselves and their communities with food. Finland is just one of the many places trying to do just that, bring back the small diversified farm. But there is a lot of heavy lifting involved. Why did we abandon small diversified farming in the first place? Surprisingly enough, it was because of good old-fashioned Minnesota innovation. The community of Finland got a three-year Bush Foundation grant to put rubber to the road in terms of building a local food system that wasn't just an ancillary to the kind of commercial egg that you get from grocery stores and everything. It's like, what would it take to really feed everybody and that diverse diet in this community? There's some infrastructure pieces that we need to rebuild. Uh, root cellaring capacity, um, freezer and refrigerator capacity, uh, canning capacity kind of on, at a community scale instead of just expecting everybody to like buy a bunch of tomatoes and can themselves. I got brought on as the producer education and infrastructure coordinator. So I'm specifically working with growers to help them both producers are already growing, increase their capacity and diversity, but also to bring in new growers. One of the biggest issues for farmers in this area is that we have limited access to farmland. In the 50s, post-World War II, when there was really this push to sell off farmland to, and consolidate it into bigger tracts to be run more efficiently so they could plant a thousand acres here and then no you don't need to grow wheat or anything over there anymore you don't need to grow that anymore so what happened is slowly uh, almost imperceptibly is that the the kind of traditional agricultural system that supported communities both in sustenance but also economically was kind of pulled out from under the rug before World War II, most communities were surrounded by vibrant, small, diversified farms and got most of their food resources that way. And cities were surrounded by agricultural land. And those people farmed and they sold most of what they grow, grew to the local communities. So what happened in World War II is we sent millions of young men across the ocean, and we needed to feed them. And what we found was that because it took long months sometimes for the food to get from here to them, that it was either spoiling or losing its nutritive value. And so a lot of the soldiers were suffering with severe malnutrition because they couldn't get sufficient food. 
So our country doing what we do best is put the brightest and the most motivated people on this issue and say, let's find a solution. And they did. They found this way of harvesting and grinding and preserving foodstuffs so that it could be more self-stable, retain its nutritive value for the most part, and then ship it across across the half the world away to our soldiers. And we won World War II in no small part because we were able to figure out how to feed our people. When the World War was over, all of a sudden, you know, there's this huge infrastructure of this kind of corporatized ag system, more of a manufacturing system than what we think of as a traditional farming system, more of a manufacturing system associated with food. What are we going to do with this? Do we just unplug it? And people thought, well, why not use it to feed our people better here in the United States? And this time, back in the 650s, 60s, was called the Green Revolution. There was a great deal of research on how to you know, breed better grains and how to grow increased production per acre. And then, you know, if you plow a thousand acres instead of a 40 at a time there you get this economic saving and so it looked really good but it wasn't until you know 10 20 30 years down this road we started to see the cracks in the infrastructure small farms can't compete with these big mega corporations so they're slowly going under and then in the 80s we had the big family farm crisis so now we're faced with this situation where this beast, corporate agriculture, started out doing something really good, but as it evolved, it changed as well. It became more about maximizing production and less about nutrition. So now, you know, the, you look at a grocery store, there's the outer ring of the grocery store, which is the fresh fruits and vegetables, meats, eggs, you know, dairy, and everything else, 90% of the floor space in a grocery store is packaged processed food, which is more expensive, extremely wasteful in terms of packaging material, um, not, a, not as nutrition. And the farmer gets a teeny tiny, itty bitty, itty bitty fraction of those resources. What's really interesting to me uh, when I was teaching at the University of Minnesota Duluth, and we helped start the sustainable agriculture program there. What I heard from students was a little scary, but mostly inspiring. They would say things like, yeah, my grandparents used to can, and I kind of know that they used to live on a farm, but I don't really know anything about that. And my parents never did any of that, but I feel like I'm, I'm missing something, and I want, you know, I want to know what that is. For me, that was the clarion call. These young people are saying, we feel like something is really, really important that is missing in our lives and we want to relearn it. And so there's been this great growth of young people wanting to go into farming, wanting to learn how to do sustainable local food production. So the land stewardship program in Minnesota and also the Sustainable Farming Association have these programs where they're trying to identify farmland that's available and match it up with people who are trying to find farmland. 
Another really important program that I don't think gets enough enough coverage is Minnesota in 2018 passed a beginning farmer tax credit program. It's a really awesome way to help people who own farmland or equipment uh, make it available a little more affordably to young and beginning farmers. So a beginning farmer is basically anybody who's been farming for 10 or fewer years. The t- Minnesota tax credit allows the whoever is selling or leasing land or equipment to a beginning farmer to get a substantial tax credit. So that enables them to give young people access to land and equipment for much less so that it's more affordable to them. You can listen to this conversation again online at KUMD.org under the Northland Morning tab, where you can also leave comments or questions. This episode of The Simple Plate was written and produced at KUMD by Lisa Johnson, with music from Andy Halleck and Polo and support provided by the Whole Foods Co-op of Duluth. The Simple Plate is also located wherever you find your podcasts, so you can take us with you when you go out to eat or share us with your friends and family.